Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Oxford Assembly of God podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to visit our website at oxfordag.org. And now, let's get into the message. There's been a poem that's floated around Facebook for a number of years, and it's uh, one that, um, that you've probably seen. But it's entitled, It Depends Whose Hand It's In. And I've tweaked it a little bit to make it more modern or to update it. But a basketball in my hands is worth about 20 bucks. A basketball in LeBron James' hand is worth about 39 million a year. Now, if you do a little math, that comes out to $106,000 a day. Seven days a week. I could gator, I could do about a week's work of that work. $106,000 a day because it all depends on whose hands it's in, right? A baseball bat in my hand is worth about eight or nine bucks. A baseball bat in Mike Trout's hand is $37 million a year. He's underpaid at only $101,000 a day. A tennis racket in my hand, I might could kill a fly (laughs) if there was a lot of them around. But in the hands of Venus Williams and others, it could be a championship. It all depends on whose hand it's in. A rod in my hand might keep away wild animals, but a rod in Moses' hand will part the mighty sea. Why? Because it depends on whose hand it's in. A slingshot in my hand is like a kid's toy. But a slingshot in David's hand was a mighty weapon. Because it all depends on whose hand it is. Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hand is a couple of fish sandwiches. Not even enough for lunch. But in God's hands it will feed thousands. Because it depends on whose hands it's in. Nails in my hand might produce a birdhouse, but nails in Jesus' hand produces salvation for the entire world, depending on whose hands it's in. So as you see, it depends whose hands it's in. So could I encourage you to put your concerns, your worries, your fears, your hopes, your dreams, your families, and your relationships in God's hands? Why? Because it all depends on whose hand it's in. Then there's the credit card commercial. You can probably finish this. What's in your wallet? Let's modify it a bit and say what's in your hands. Today I'd like to combine those two thoughts, put them together and Ask the question, what's in your hands and in whose hands are you? Because I think it's two very, very important questions that we need to address. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Now, where was this taking place? 
This was taking a place out in the middle of the desert. And I know somebody said, well, didn't we read that story recently? Yes, we did. Moses was out there tending his father-in-law's sheep. And he saw a brush catch on fire and he began to approach it and God began to speak to him. And he asked Moses to go to Egypt and to bring his people out. And Moses, typical people, began to make what? Excuses. But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? How long he had used that particular staff. He had been attending sheep out there for 40 years. To you that was, didn't, was it didn't have diamonds. It was a, a staff. It was used for walking. It was used for protection. It was used for support. But it was a, just a regular staff. Nothing supernatural. Nothing magical about that staff. But God is the one asked this question, and he asked, he said, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And here Moses and I agree on this. And Moses ran from it. God would have had to yell loud to catch me as I left the next county. <laughs> okay, Daryl, come back and pick it up. <laughs> Moses ran from it. But the Lord said, Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Can any of you, would any of you have trouble with that? Huh? Catch it by the tail? I know some of you are laughing at me, but I'll I tell you, men snakes just don't get along very well. They're dangerous for themselves because they will be killed. Okay? I don't ask if the snake's deadly. I tell them, I'm deadly. You better get out of here. Grab it by the tail. And he caught it. And it became a staff in his hand. Now drop down to verse 17. And take... In your hand, this staff with which you shall do the signs. Again, that was a regular staff. He had been out in the wilderness for 40 years, and let's just assume he may have, he may have rotated his staff. You know, I've seen some people have a different cane for every day. But in my mind, that was the only staff he had. That was the staff that he used and God was showing him something. And he asked that question, what's in your hand? Think about it. Moses has been shepherd for 40 years. We don't know if that was the same staff or not, but let's just assume that it was. But for the next 40 years, it was going to be the staff. For the next 40 years, that was the one that went everywhere. And when he got ready and needed something, God used it, not because of the staff, but because it was in Moses' hand and God's anointing was upon him. By the authority given to Moses, 
Now think about it. It was always Moses' staff, right? It was always Moses' staff. But it never became anything until Moses basically gave it back to God. Until God says, what's in your hands? Said, that's my staff. He said, not anymore. That's my staff. And I want to use it. He never took it away from Moses. But it began to be a joint effort, if you will. That every time they needed something great done, he said, what is in your hand? Now, we could chase this rabbit for days. Because throughout history, when God needed something done, he usually asked a man or woman to do it. And many, many, many times he says, what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? What was in his hand? A staff. Now, whose hand was it in? It was in Moses. But then he basically placed it back in God's hands so that the Lord could use that staff by using Moses. Now, I know that sometimes I get thinking, if I'd have been in charge, I'd have done it different. I wouldn't have depended on man. I'd have got me an angel that I could have ordered around. Okay, Gabriel, go do it. God didn't do that. He uses people. Mixed up, confused people. Moses thought that he was going to be used 40 years earlier. He had had it easy. But they had a warrant out for his arrest. So he left. And he picked up that staff. They say, why do you mean pick it up? Chances are he had never had one. He grew up in the king's house. He grew up in the king's household. But now he had to go get a job. And the only job he found was tending his father's sheep or father-in-law's sheep. So he got the staff. So the answer was pretty simple. What's in your hand? Now, if I went around today and asked each one of you what's in your hand, you'd say, well, I got nothing right now, but what's in your hand? What are your giftings? What are your talents? What are the lessons that you've learned? What's in your hands? We find out that for the next 40 years, that rod became used mightily of God. When he was in Egypt, he threw it. When he got ready to cross the Red Sea, he stuck it over the Red Sea and the waters parted. When he got ready to do battle, lift the rod up. And when his arms got tired, they began to lose. They had to grab somebody and help him hold the rod up. So when 
What Moses had in his hand was given to God. God was able to use it and to do some awesome, awesome things. Fast forward a few generations to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38. David had went to take cheese, bread and cheese to his brothers. Now, can I just suggest to you, don't ever overlook some menial thing that God may have you doing. He was delivering a fish, a cheese sandwich. He was taking bread and cheese to his brothers. That's what he had in his hand. But when he got to where they were lined up doing battle, he looked and everybody was fearful. Because there was the champion of the Philistines was a guy that was nine foot six tall. That means if he walked under a basketball net, his head would have hit the net. Not the rim. But how many knows that's a pretty big dude? And David said, why didn't somebody do something? And Saul said, hey, if you'll kill him, I'll give you my daughter. Saul should have been the one. He was the biggest because the Bible says he was head and shoulders above the rest of them. He was a king. He was a leader of the army. But David said, what's happening? Look at verse 38. So then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. Now, can you imagine this? Picture this in your mind. Here's a teenage boy, probably a scrawny teenage boy, putting on the biggest man of the Israeli army, putting on his garment. It probably looked pitiful. I can imagine he could almost spin that thing around his head. And then David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Now, what's it mean he trained in vain to go? He had not, he wasn't experienced wearing that. I remember the first time I ever put on show, snow skis. I know what he's saying. I had not tested those things. And Vicky's already gone, but she knows that we had we went as a church group. And I like to kill her when I first put my skis on. Why? Because I had not tested those things. And I went one way and she happened to be the one way I was going. <laughs> Wiped her out. And I can imagine this was going on. David's. he said, I cannot go with thee. Took them off. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. Oh, wait a minute. I, I left off some reading. I got to go back and read that. He took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand as he approached the Philistine. 
Now notice he picked up five rocks. We don't really know why he picked up five rocks. He might have thought he was a bad shot. But it could have been that, and he knew that Goliath had some brothers. Goliath had some brothers. We'll find that out in a few minutes. So he picked up five of them and put them in his pocket, but he had a sling in his hand. Now you imagine this thing. When God looked down and said, uh, David, what do you have in your hand? He said, I got a sling. You're going to go fight that Goliath? That's what they were asking me. You're going to fight that, that champion who's never lost a battle? He said, yes. Because see, that thing that's in my hand, I'm not fighting him with that sling. I'm fighting him with the power and the authority of the Almighty God. Amen. I'm fighting it in Jesus' name because I'm not using what's there. So, folks, we need to understand something. When we ask the question, what do you have in your hand? You're not using your uh, natural ability. You're using the God-given ability. And every ability that you have is God-given. You might have trained it, you might have developed it, but it came because of God. So you got that thing in your hand, and God's asking the question today, what's in your hand? What are you going to do with it? Well, I want to take what's in my hand, I want to give it to God, and let Him do what He can do with it, because God can do a whole lot more with it than I could do. Amen? Amen? He can do that. So He said, do that. So let's drop down to verse 40, where it says, Then He took His staff in His hand and chose five stones. Now let's drop to verse 48. And when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And what did he have in his hand? And he put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead, the stone stank in his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword, took Goliath's sword out. Now you think Saul's sword was big. Goliath was bigger. He took his out and he chopped off his head. Now, it's an amazing thing if you read that story because when David left the battlefield, he had two things in his hand. He had Goliath's head. Remember how big that rascal was? He had one and then he had a big sword in the other. God had helped him prevail. God had helped him to prevail. Why? Because he took what he had in his hand and gave it back to God because God had given it to him originally. He had used that sling to fight a lion. He'd used that sling to fight a bear. He was experienced with that sling. He used, look around and say, what's in your hand? Use your giftedness. Use your abilities because those abilities are God-given. But don't just try to operate on your own strength. Take those giftedness. Take that sling. Take that staff and give it back to God and see what God can do through you and with you. He took those five stones. Now, let's, let's go to First Chronicles chapter 20. Let's go to First Chronicles chapter 20 just to... Uh, show you something because Goliath did have some brothers 
First Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5 and 8. Chapter 20, verse 5 and 8. And there was again war with the Philistines. And Elihan, the son of Jair, struck down Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. So that tells me that was another big dude. Okay, and there was again war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he also was descended from the giants. And when he taunted Israel, now I don't know, I don't know if you caught this, Pharaoh laughed at Moses. What happened? The giant, Goliath, laughed at David. What happened? When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, David's brother, even David's brothers got some courage. They struck him down, and they were descended from the giants in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Now, what you're saying, see, it says that they taunted God. Now, I don't know. I feel a little bit like Bob Harrington. He used to say that whenever he flew in airplanes, that he just didn't like to sit next to a person that used God's name in vain, flying at 30,000 feet on a machine that was made by the lowest bidder. <laughs> Think about it. I want to tell you, taunting God is not really good. Tonight's recording message that I'm talking about, the hard times, perilous times, the message Bible talks about the fact that uh, there's some people that are allergic to God. I won't say much because you need to listen to that tonight, but um, I think there's a lot of people in America that are allergic to God. You mention it and they get hives. They get jittery. They don't want anything to do with God. And I don't want to be judgmental, but I'm just telling you that I would not taunt God. They taunted and they got wiped out. I'm a slow learner, but I learn quicker than that. Don't mock God. So we ask that question, what's in your hand? And in whose hand is it in? Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 21. 1 Samuel chapter 21. David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not here spear or sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. Have any of you been that? Have you ever gotten in a hurry and forgot your main equipment at home? Said, I left it. I was busy. And the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. 
And if you will take that, take it, for there's none but that here. So that's the only one we've got. This is the place of worship. This is the place of being of church. And David said, there's none like it. Give it to me. Now, I had to add this thing in because many of you can recall way back in your ancient history that God allowed you to go through something that you didn't have a clue about. You've said, why? God, why did I have to go through that battle? He said, because I want something to put into your hand later on. I want something that you learned. I want something that you've gained, something that you progressed. I can guarantee you, Gator could agree with me. There's things we said, God, why am I having to go through this? Why am I having to learn how to do this? Because one of these days, knucklehead, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. And one of these days, you're going to look around for a sword and you say, well, what did I, what did I, I don't have anything in my hand. Said, oh, but remember, back in the day, I taught you how to do electricity. I taught you how to do this. I taught you how to do that. So some of those things that you think there's wasted energy, guess what? God's just preparing you a sword for later on. He's preparing a sword for later on. Energy transform from one. That's for a school teacher. I, I don't know that kind of stuff. <laughs> but we get that. He, but he said, I need a sword. And God said, you got it. Because he had already prepared. Now think about that for a minute. God has prepared you for what you're going through, not just today, but down the road. So when he looks down and says, what do you have in your hand? Well, God, I've got that mess that I made 20 years ago. He said, yeah. I gave it to you for a purpose because you needed that sword. You needed that battle. You needed that thing, and I prepared you for it. See, many times we may not know what's going on in our lives, but God put something in our hands. God put something in our minds that we're not going to use for a long time, but God knows when it's needed, we're going to have it. See, your past experiences, your struggles, your battles, the experiences gained during those times will be used later on. And I know some of you are probably sitting here, well, pastor, you're spiritualizing quite a bit, and I realize I am. You may be saying, well, I don't have a sling. I don't have an anointed rod in my hand. I don't have anything. Well, let's go to the book of Judges. The book of Judges, chapter 15 there was a guy by the name of Samson. And I'd encourage you to read that story. Samson had a lot of issues. And he was very, very strong. But let me remind you that his strength did not come from his workouts. The Bible plainly says that his strength came from the anointing of God. And so one time... Samson was tied. His girlfriend tied him. And then said, they're coming to get you. Let's just read the story. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the spirit of the Lord, that's the anointing, rushed upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire. And his bonds melted off his hands. 
and he found a fresh jawbone. Now, the only thing, I looked that up in a couple of scriptures, and it used that fresh jawbone. So the only thing I can think of, it was not a jawbone that had dried out. It was a jawbone that might have still had some flesh hanging on it. Maybe a lion had just killed it, and all he had was a jawbone. I'm going to tell you what, folks, if you don't have anything but a jawbone, but if God I don't have much ability. I don't have that. Well, listen, what do you have in your hand is good enough. That's what uh, Samson found out. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and put out his hand and took it. And with it, he struck a thousand men down. And Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, have I struck down a thousand men. Gave him victory. Why? Because he said, what do you have in your hand? I got a jawbone. I got a jawbone of a donkey. I'm going to tell you, I'd rather have me a, what, what's on those uh, new, new guns they have? I'd rather have one of those. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> but all he had was the jawbone of a donkey. But guess what he needed? All he needed was what he had in his hand and the anointing of God. And he was more than a carpenter, more than a conqueror. So I asked you again the question, what's in your hand? Then I asked the other question, whose hand are you in? I had to bring up my iPad. I, I copied off a poem when I got up here this morning, my first service, the middle of it is gone. So forgive me from having to read it off my iPad because I didn't have time to reprint it. But it's a poem that most of you have heard. A poem written in 1921 by Myra Brooks Welch. It talks about the touch of the master's hand. It was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin. But he held it up with a smile. What am I bidding, good folks? He cried. Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, then two. Only two, two dollars, and who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three. But no, from the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a medley, pure and sweet, as caroling angels sing. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, what am I bid for this old violin? And he held it up with a bow. A thousand dollars, and who'll make it two? Two thousand, and who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We do not understand what changed the worth. Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is oxen cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like that old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. 
He's going once and he's going twice and he's going and he's almost gone. But the master comes and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? All of your experiences, all of your giftings, all of your talents. And I know some of us, I've always had an issue with inferiority complex. I know you probably find that hard to believe, but I really do. I'm a nobody. I can't do that. But guess what? God has always allowed what I had in my hand to be enough. Whenever I give what I hand in my hand back to him. And so when I ask what's in your hand and whose hand is it in? You have to answer that question yourself. I preached Wednesday night on from trash to treasure. Most of you understand if you're a born again believer, God took you off the junk pile. You say, what do you mean? I was something. I was valuable. No, you were eternally lost. Destined for eternal hell. Why would you say that? Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't plan anything for your good. But God will take you off of that trash pile and turn you into a treasure. And all those things that you've encountered, all those gifts, all those abilities, all those trials, is like the sword that David took away from Goliath. He didn't need it then. He had a sling. But later on, he didn't have a sling. He had nothing. But God had prepared him in advance. Just like he's preparing you in advance for whatever you're going to face. So what's in your hand? And whose hand are you in? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Holy Father, we love you. And what you've allowed me to do with limited ability, limited knowledge, but simply using what you've put in my hand and me giving myself and what's in my hand to you when do great things. Now, Father, minister and if there's someone here that quite can't quite understand the correlation that we've tried to draw I'd like to ask that your Holy Spirit do what I could not do and clarify their thinking clarify their thought process and make it come real to them and that every one of us here every day you're asking that same question what's in our hand and whose hand are we in? So, Father, we just ask you to minister to us today. Strengthen us today. God, we give you praise. As we worship the Lord today, 
we want to extend an invitation to anyone that would just say, okay, I want to give what I have back to God. And no, we're not going to receive another offering. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your own abilities. What's in your hand? And whose hand are you in? And you can pray right where you are. But if you'd like to come to the altar and have someone pray with you, we extend that invitation to you right now. Lee, lead us in worship of this song, if you would. Thank you for listening to the OAG podcast. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God Church, be sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G dot org.